0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So this past week, my partner uh, Brian and I, we took the uh, terrifying, does this mean we're adults now, step of deciding to at least try and buy a house? Wow. Yeah. Ah. And, uh, and as it turns out, buying a house is really scary, especially in a market like Denver's. It sort of feels like a modern-day Game of Thrones. Uh, instead of uh, uh, swords and dragons, you have agents and aggressive, above-asking-price offers, and uh, weird, slightly creepy trips to other people's neighborhoods where you, or I should say I, uh, traipse around in other people's yards, peeking through their windows, hoping to God we don't meet another set of eyes or a shotgun on the other side. In fact, we were stalking one house this week when we looked up in the yard and saw a sign nailed to a tree, don't be afraid of my dog, be afraid of my gun. Yeah, we got out of there really fast. <laughs> uh, but the scariest part of all of it, honestly, is just how invasive the process is, particularly with money. Uh, because you don't come out on the other side of 10 years of a expensive college and grad school combined with 15 years of drug and alcohol addiction with a 790 credit rating. <laughs> Not yet. and. Uh, uh, while we look a lot better on paper than we did when we got sober, uh, financial records don't lie. They're, the skeletons, they're still in the closet and, and they're waving. And that, uh, and that brings up a lot of shame and fear, regardless of how many times our lending agent reminds us to breathe. <laughs> because I was raised like all of us in a society that ties money to morality where we're taught to save early and often and where the gold standard for being a good person or at least a good American is to be financially independent, to be free from debt and free from landlords and own your own home, ideally far from the prying eyes of those nosy neighbors who really wished you hadn't painted your house that color. But if you majored in religion instead of accounting, Or you just went through a messy divorce which wiped out all of your savings. Or you just racked up way too much credit card debt that you have have no idea how you'll ever climb out from underneath. If you don't meet that standard of financial independence, then I know how easy it is to feel ashamed. Like you're just not that great of a person. That you're just a child in adult clothing. And that maybe... Maybe you've just wasted this one wild and precious life that we've been given. And I know what I do when when shame and fear overwhelm me, I I hide. I assume the worst, or what I fear is the worst, that I will die penniless and alone. And so what I do is I I accept my fears as reality. Reality. And then, and then the gospel no longer has a hold on my life. There's no longer room in my heart to have hope that God has new things in store for me. Most of all, that God has destined me to be set free from shame and fear. But today is the day of Pentecost. It's that great day we often call the birthday of the church. When It's when the Holy Spirit descended upon the followers of Jesus and everybody uh, plays a loud, annoying red vuvuzela. And we like to say it's the birthday of the church, but I think it's more about that when the Holy Spirit descends upon the followers of Jesus, that they are set free from shame. The Holy Spirit descends to silence the voice of our inner critic and to, and to bring our shame and fear out into the light of day. I mean, after all, the good news of Pentecost, it begins with this really weird story, story about the disciples behaving so strangely that people thought that they were like throwing a kegger at nine in the morning. and uh, Because drunkenness or anything, anything that even remotely resembles that kind of disinhibited freedom... It's behavior that's shameful. It's meant to be hidden away under the cloak of night. Not out in the day. But it's, it's hidden under the cloak of night, which is where the world wants to keep all of our fear. All of our fear locked away with our, our head stuck in the sand as if it weren't there. But just like our financial records, our our fear and our shame, they don't just go away because we act like they don't exist. Instead, they they fester and metastasize until all we can see is the worst possible outcome. And then we, we fail to see that God has sent her Holy Spirit to her church to surround us with a great cloud of witnesses to pull us out from the shadows and to pull us into a into an ecstatic orgy of possibility. And it's in this, this party that we call the church, it's where our fears wither under the light of God's presence. Because we, our fears have to get out into the light of day. Because if nobody knows that we're struggling financially, if no one knows that we just lost our job, if no one knows that we are so ashamed of our past that we feel forever stuck where we are, then they can't share their wisdom with us. They can't come beside us and tell us how normal credit card debt is and how normal student loans are and that our, our past choices are never all that we are. Because when, when the Holy Spirit first blew through her church, she, she did so without even the least bit of shame. She did so without even worrying about what the neighbors would think. I mean, Pentecost was no not in my backyard moment. Because the backyard of the Holy Spirit it's the whole world and the sound of that rushing wind this is the sound of freedom bound for all people. But here's the thing, freedom freedom is a tricky thing because in my case, often I think what I want is freedom when what I what I really want is just to be comforted and protected from my fears. I want things to be easy when they're actually hard. Uh, as Brian and I have been looking for houses, we've started telling people and, and through those conversations, I, I've realized that buying a house isn't just invasive financially, but it, it also lays bare many of our most deep-seated values about what we think is important. <coughs> For example, about, about where we should live, where we really belong, what communities are worthy of our investment. And as you know, Denver, the Denver real estate market, it's, a, it's pretty challenging and challenging. Uh, i 'm a pastor. <laughs> My partner is a very, very new flight attendant, uh, so you do the math uh, it 's unlikely we will end up in any of the the hottest neighborhoods despite how many times the real estate age, uh, the, the real estate ads put the word "hot" in all caps in every one of those ads. <laughs> but when I tell people where we are looking. I can just see the discomfort wash across their faces. Why would you want to live there? And I don't bring this up to judge those feelings, but I I bring it up because because I have those same fears and prejudices myself. Uh, Growing up in the 80s in Memphis, Tennessee, which was at the time and still one of the most racially diverse and racially segregated cities in America, uh, I am therefore myself a product of white flight. When I was five years old, my parents realized that that they weren't going to be able to afford to send all three of their kids to the uh, private uh, Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod private school that I was attending. See, I have a, a little bit of Lutheran cred, <laughs> And, so, and that if we stayed in our neighborhood, we would be bussed across town to a predominantly African-American school. And so we did as many white families did. We packed up and moved across town the other way to a wealthy suburb. And I remember at the time, all in the name of safety. And again, I share this not to judge my parents, but it's just that I, I've been given a template. I've been given a template by my upbringing, by the color of my skin, and by the mighty power of Zillow that uh, tells me who is supposed to be my neighbor, and that if I don't follow that template, uh, I have fears about what will happen. Will people even come to visit us if we move to Commerce City? (laughs) Amen! (laughs) Amen! Uh, Will my family approve? Will they give us the loan they promised if they find out where we're looking? Will my white progressive friends or our new neighbors judge us as gentrifying interlopers, the source of the problem who belong elsewhere? But what these fears reveal to me is just how much I want things to be easy when they're actually hard. How I, I so desperately want to figure out what's the ideologically pure move so that I don't have to get involved, so that I don't have to be vulnerable to scrutiny, so that the equivalent of my drunkenness at 9 a.m. in the morning doesn't have to be seen. So that I don't have to get involved in the actually messy work of community, which, which is the promise that the Holy Spirit renews with us this day at Pentecost. And that if I hear anything in the story of Pentecost, it's the promise that being free isn't about being comfortable. It's not about being ideologically pure. It's not about sticking our head in the sand and acting like none of these fears exist. Pentecost is about being drawn together so that that we're free to love each other as we actually are, where we actually are. And that starts by actually seeing each other and, and being seen, even when we're drunk at nine in the morning. Because I have to face it that I'm not going to find a way to free myself from who I actually am. But what I can do is I can pray for God to give me the courage to to be a good neighbor, to not to not hide in fear. And to share my life with those around me so that they can share their lives with me. In Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs, there's, there's something that we call the promises. Uh, I've been thinking about them a lot this week, particularly because of the line, uh, Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. I've been thinking about these promises because if you've ever been to an AA meeting or most of the other 12-step meetings, then you know it's, it's not really a hotbed of financial stability. <laughs> not usually. <laughs> not at first. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't say we will suddenly become rich. It says that the fear of economic security will leave us. And from my experience, this actually happens, and it happens in AA meetings just like it happens here at church, because our fears, they see the light of day where they wither. And this is the promise of Pentecost, that our fears and our shame and the worst news possible will one day wither under the light of God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so as a Pentecost blessing, hear the promises of Alcoholics Anonymous. May they be gospel for you. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us. Amen you have been listening to the sermon podcast for house for all sinners and saints if you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church just go to our website www.houseforall.org and click on give